0: Join us for episode 107 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we enter the world of Captain Malcolm Reynolds and the eight crew members and passengers of Serenity. It's pretty psyched.
1: Yep, definitely have been looking forward to doing this for a while now, though there, you know, obviously there's some controversy out here about this, Dave. I didn't realize so.
0: Yeah, and we'll address that in a few minutes. Uh, as tonight, we begin our discussion of season one or as Wayne would prefer the season only season of of Joss Whedon's or just season of Joss Whedon's space, Western Firefly starring Nathan Fillion and Gina Torres. We'd love to hear from you guys via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Or at the website where you can leave a voicemail via the Speak Pipe tab, and can also record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment, or just send us a tweet at Fi TV Rewatch. And hopefully, you'll consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there.
1: So, uh, but really, Dave, just Gina Torres, Gina Torres. You just you, you left out. You left her out purposefully. You do this to hurt me, man.
0: No, no, no! I figured I'd do a different one each week. Uh, Nathan Fillion and well, this is the first
1: one. You know, like, this
0: is just the first one. I know
1: Nathan I know. Fillion and Summer Glau. You know, how hard would that be to say?
0: Okay, well, now I've got you mad at me, but uh, <laughs> I understand. But you know, as you alluded to a second ago, we got quite a bit of listener feedback this week, and there is a common thread. So why don't we go ahead and start off with Kimmy? I definitely agree with you about the uses of Dark Angel rights. Nothing's been done, but we know that money can still be made. For example, Dark Angel goodies in Europe can go up to $50 for just a pocketbook. And I saw worse. Actually, there's one thing to do with the rights. Shut down Dark Angel fan vid. Compared to back in the day, I saw almost all the tribute videos go and YouTube channels struck uh, struck down, including my first channel that went down. Thanks, Fox. And this is what we got for sharing our dedication to the show. Now, you know, you and I weren't watching it then, so it it, it sounds like that, you know, there were a lot of fan tribute pages up there, videos, fan made videos, and Fox apparently uh, shut it down. Yeah, that is messed up, man. Yeah, I don't think they would do that today. At least you'd like to think.
1: Yeah, you'd like, yeah, definitely the early aughts, there was a lot of, you know, fight back from the, the bigs on this stuff i think they're embracing a lot more but you know i don't know that's still messed up though you know
0: yeah it is uh, so about the title she says and jesus brought a casserole you were close because of jesus being in the title we know there's a bible reference but because of casserole we could be more specific it refers to the last supper indeed many scenes are reminiscent such as max bringing the last meal zach sacrificing for his siblings or max's death and her resurrection
1: that's that's awesome man yeah yeah i
0: didn't even think about that the last supper is perfect yeah okay well her, her response gets even awesomer now this final episode was great in many ways not much to add to your comments one more detail in case you didn't notice the final scene with logan's voiceover on the space needle it's the perfect ending because it refers to the very beginning of the show max and logan have common dialogue a sort of loop, which is a nice touch, and she provided the script. and And, and uh, we're going to do a dramatic, do reading, a dramatic here. reading here. Okay. Y- yes, I'll play the part of uh, Max Guevara. Okay. Sometimes it seems like it happened to someone else, like maybe it was a story I heard. The hardest part is not knowing if any of them made it. But if I knew for sure I was the only one left, it would be worse. At least now I can make up lives for them, like maybe John D a fashion photographer or an architect. The truth is, they'd be just like me living on the run, always looking over my shoulder. Hope is for losers. It's a con job people trip behind till they finally get a grip on the cold, hard truth. Still, I hope that they're out there somewhere and that they're okay.
1: Sometimes it seems like it happened to someone else. Like maybe it was a story I heard. Even though I know what happened, sometimes I can't help feeling that she's not really gone, that she's still out there, and I just hope she's okay.
0: All right, and that's what... Uh, logan says to end episode 21 and you know that whole circular uh thematic idea i love i mean you know i mean there's certainly there's so much literature that that uses that and and i missed it completely yeah i totally missed that but again that's 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 really that's a great catch there yep and she concludes by saying i said it before but i hope to hear dark angel comments on season two yep
1: uh, and there we start to develop the motif of the okay. emails. So this right. one's from Dan I have recently rejoined your podcast and I'm catching up on your Dark Angel retrospective, which I find to be quite enjoyable. Thank you, Dan However, there are some concerns I have after hearing about your new direction First your continued reference to choosing to review Dark Angel as a mistake is disconcerting It has me thinking the review doesn't end well but your decision to choose a series based on platform is problematic. If you limit yourself to Netflix, you alienate Hulu Plus subscribers or those of Amazon Prime. I agree that platform should be a factor, but not the factor in picking a series. Now, okay. Uh, okay. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying that, I mean, if we ever, I don't I, I don't recall ever referring to doing Dark Angels as a mistake, because I've really enjoyed watching it and podcasting on Dark Angels. It's been awesome. Um, so if I did say it, Uh, it was, I could only like, again, not recalling, I would say it was either, I was just joking or I don't know, maybe something
0: else. Well, you know what? I I think it was, and I probably used the word mistake. I think I was referring to the fact that we chose a show that the options to actually access it were so limited because it's not available on any of the big three, Amazon Prime, Hulu Plus, or Netflix. Right. So you're either going to have to buy the discs or illegally download it. Right. And, you know, in terms of a mistake, just, you know, for that reason only, because like you said, I mean, we both love the show and I think that's certainly reflected in our analysis of it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and like, for platform, we will we, we'll go with any legal platform. We just, we're trying to avoid shows that would encourage people to do illegal activities in order to right. obtain them. Uh, we exactly. want you to be able to get them on the up and up. Um, so let me continue with the next paragraph. Um Also, limiting yourself to the first season is an issue. It seems like you're setting the listener up for a fall, especially if you're reviewing a good show. The Liberate podcast did this exact same thing with the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and I was let down when they didn't continue on to season two. While I wouldn't expect the podcast to review a full five or six seasons of a series, sci-fi shows are often cut down their prime and get shortened seasons. So you might want to leave room for an exception here or there if a show has a short second season or only does ten episode seasons. Um, And, you know, That – Dan's comments there actually kind of really struck me there because, A – I was really, I was disappointed in the Liberate podcast after they dumped me from the Sarah Connor Chronicles. So, you know, I've already got an axe to grind there. I'm just kidding, Dave. Um, yeah. It was but, all Michael. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I remember thinking, I was a little disappointed when you guys stopped uh, season two because, I mean, that show, uh, you know, I really loved that show. So when Dan said that, it kind of like made it real for me, you know, that I saw, oh, what like what are we doing here, you know? Because like, it really wasn't, out of not liking Dark Angel it was more of a like you know really anxious to to get into Firefly you know
0: right and I think you know we've said that it's almost as if we just want to sample so many of these great shows and that you know to do you know and the thing about Dark Angel it's 43 episodes so you know it's almost a full year commitment but you know, there it is. And fortunately, as as Dan says, there are so many now genre shows that are opting to go with the ten to thirteen episode season. That, you know, now this kind of thing is definitely more doable. Right. So all right. Now we also heard from a new listener, Eyes Only, who says, "I noticed your review on each episode to the season one of Dark Angel, and I find it great that you're interested in this show." Some people seem to have forgotten about Dark Angel, and I'm a huge fan, so I'm happy to see that you guys are speaking about it again in 2015. But, if I understood correctly, you're giving up Season 2 to give priority to Firefly. Oh, you're killing me over here, There's that uh, motif again. (laughs) Please, guys, notice that Dark Angel Season 2 is very different from the first. It deserves a review, episode by episode. Of course, like for the first season, because there's so much to tell – It's impossible to finish the job just with a quick global comment on the complete season. Some people think that freaks on season two are a subject with no real importance, just like we can see in a lot of shows like Buffy or many others. But they show a deeper reality. It's all about racism, integration of strangers, segregation, tolerance. Just look at the familiars and their cult, Nazism or the fight for freedom. I'll let you discover the flag of the transgenic army, which becomes an allusion to a part of the history of America. And I don't even want to mention all the references and, of course, the story itself. Fox has already tried to give up Dark Angel for the benefit of Firefly, and we know the result. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so please don't make the same error. Touche. LOL. Yeah. In any case, thanks for your job. Continue to do your podcast and most of all, have fun. All right. So you guys, you got to us. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Because really,
1: like, I mean, I, I personally was not anticipating this. I didn't think anyone was listening, honestly. So for people to, like, be really, like, really hardcore
0: about we want you to do season two and everything, you know, I'm like, that that's, that's touching, you know? Absolutely. I mean, really, you guys don't know how much that means to us. So, uh, you know, we, we still want to do Firefly. We are going to do season two of Dark Angel. So what we're just going to do is just alternate them week by week. And, you know, as we get more time, because as I think most of you know, we're teachers and we have a little bit more free time in the summer. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll be able to step up the pace here and there. Yeah, lacrosse season is winding down. So, yeah. Right. But regardless, we are going to next week look at Dark Angel season two, episode one. For sure. All right. So... Uh we got a lot to talk about though with Firefly tonight. So why don't we jump into it? This is episode 1 entitled Serenity Parts 1 and 2, written, created, directed by Joss Whedon. The whole who, shebang. Exactly. And listeners obviously I would hope know him from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Angel, which is a buffy spin-off, Dollhouse, which is also kind of in our uh, you know on the short list of things to do in the future.
1: You're getting then, closer.
0: Uh, yeah. And then of course Marvel uh, the Marvel Avengers Just movie. Two
1: little movies he made. Yeah, the Avengers.
0: Yeah, made a couple Age of, of trends. Yeah. Uh, and then this episode aired Friday, December twentieth, two thousand two. Now, again, hardcore Firefly fans know that of the 14 episodes that were produced three of them didn't even air on Fox, that you couldn't get them until the DVD set came out. (sighs) And we mentioned last week that Fox aired them out of order, and obviously we're going to start with the order that Joss Whedon intended, so that there are 14 episodes, even though episode one, which we're going to talk about tonight, is a two-hour long episode, it's still only considered one episode, not two. Right. Um, Yeah, I
1: mean, the story of how bad fox effed up on firefly is the stuff of legend right i mean it's 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 like freaking someone hearing the beatles play and say eh you know what they're just not that good i'm i'm not gonna sign you know which probably i'm sure happened you know and everything or or you know someone looking at the mona lisa and say you know what let's just no it's no good just stop stop
0: painting it now And then uh, we also want to mention that there was a a feature film entitled Serenity, which was released September 30th of 2005. Great film. uh, Yep. So why don't we just jump into it? The opening scene, and and, and there's so many great things to say about this, this show, but we're in the middle of a firefight during the Battle of Serenity Valley, and we see Sergeant Reynolds... Zoe and the squad fighting off the Alliance. So right away, we've got that, you know, almost that kind of Star Wars tie-in. You know, here it's the Alliance, and clearly right away we establish that they're the big guys, they're the bad guys, and and Sergeant Reynolds and his team, they're the little guys. Right, and
1: there's that iconic shot that uh, ends up showing during the opening credits of the first time we see Mal uh, kind of jumping from one side of that little you know from one side of the rock to another as he runs toward the camera that's just awesome
0: yeah yeah and and, you know so we get to see him as a leader you know cajoling his squad who's clearly outnumbered later offers support to one of the guys that's shell-shocked and tells him we are just too pretty for god to let us die and you know he is asked by zoe if he thinks that they can do it he responds do you even need to ask and, you know, he grasps – I don't know if you noticed it. I didn't notice it the first few times. He grasps a metal that's hanging around that's his a neck. It's cross, dude. Okay. And yeah. that's what I assumed. It's some sort of religious metal. And, and I bring that up, obviously, because of the later scene, yeah, which we'll talk about, where Book asks him if he can say a prayer. You can't
1: as long as you don't say it or something like that, right? As yeah, as long you as, as you
0: don't say it out loud. Yeah. So, well, well, we see
1: – Like here, I mean, obviously this scene was really meant to show the contrast of how much his character has changed. Um, Here he is, optimistic, let's go get him, don't give up, rah, 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 he's got the cross that he kisses. When he's talking to Bendis, not only does he say, we're not, we can't die because we're too pretty, but he says, we're just too pretty for God to let us die. So this is a guy who obviously is very religious.
0: Right. And, right, and what has happened to cause this Well, you, know, you see the, it this in his face
1: as, as they're standing there, as they're watching the Alliance ships roll in, and he realizes that the fight is done, that they've lost, and the look on his face is just this kind of mixture of of horror and disappointment and... Is he blaming God at this point already? Well, I think probably, yeah. I think it's this starts to, you know, like what comes to him eventually that he, obviously he's had years of kind of probably living rough trying to live outside of the alliance to not become part of the mainstream and uh you know after a while it's kind of you know rubbed on
0: him okay and, and you know you mentioned that that poignant scene as he stands there and, and really he would just receive the order that they were to surrender lay down arms and now he's watching these alliance aircraft landing in the valley and we get the first inkling that, you know, this show might be a little different because it's this Western music that's right. playing, and right. it is really cool.
1: Yeah, great theme song written by yeah. Joss Whedon,
0: right? Yep. So we fast forward six years later, and we see these guys wearing pressurized space suits, and we recognize uh, Nathan Fillion, who who plays Reynolds. Uh, Adam Baldwin, not, not that Adam, not the Adam Baldwin yeah. from the... Not the Baldwins. Right, from the douchebag Baldwins. Um, no, 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 no. He plays a character named Jane. And then Gina Torres, who plays Zoe, who we saw with him in the Battle of Serenity Valley. And they're on a salvage mission, which appears to be some sort of derelict craft. Oh, you don't.
1: Know, I'm, I'm sorry, just one thing. Did you notice how, as he's watching the ships roll in, uh, Bendis, the guy who he was trying to say, hey, come on, man, we're too pre to die, Bendis dies i didn't notice yeah that. they're standing there. it's like in the the the. it starts playing the music and you just there's like shooting and Malice is just standing there and bendis is right next to him and all of a sudden bendis gets hit oh uh, okay so nathan okay. Well, fillion was too pretty to die but yeah, bendis not, was not
0: not so much bendis right yeah. so you know I, I guess what we're supposed to establish in this scene is that you know uh, okay first of all they're on some sort of salvage mission but as it the scene goes along we realize that you know they're really uh not doing this in any kind of an official capacity right no. they are right yeah. they are crooks yeah um and it's so, it's almost
1: is it cyberpunk where like everything that they have is kind of like shabby and second rate and thrown together right sure so,
0: yeah. Well, but, but again, I mean, that's the the great thing. You know, the contrast between, look, they're on a spaceship. I mean, this is in the future that, you know, there there's a lot of computer technology. Yet, you know, Malcolm's dressed in, in what we can only describe as some sort of Western outfit. He's got a, a revolver. Dude, he's Han Solo. He Well, you he, know. He's dressed like could, Han
1: Solo. You can you say could, it, dude. You can yeah, say it.
0: I'm not going to say it. You could say <laughs> it. Uh, uh, now, we're, we're introduced to the pilot who's playing with dinosaurs. Yeah, that
1: is. Oh my God, that's still. I've I've seen this a bunch of times, but that scene, whenever it comes up, it's still. I just laugh my ass off whenever I watch that scene.
0: Right. And, you know, so so an alarm goes off, and and we learn right away that they've been spotted. The Alliance ship has detected a heat signature, and we learn that they are on a Firefly-class transport ship that apparently is quite out of date.
1: Yeah, and you can see, again, we talked about kind of the shabby second-rate condition of the Firefly as compared to the very sleek and... automated and shiny and nice and clean
0: condition of the alliance right right exactly um and so at this point they've been spotted and and we hear the alliance captain refer to it as an illegal salvage and you know we're establishing the fact that okay these are a bunch of crooks Uh, certainly fans of dollhouse will recognize wash as alan tudyk and and that's the other thing You, you, you realize that Joss Whedon has this stable of actors that he loves to use over and over again, and as a fan, I love it as well. Sure, especially. I mean, these guys are awesome and everything. I actually had because I
1: saw Firefly only much later. The first time I saw Alan Tudyk was in A Knight's Tale. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, awesome! About ten times. Yeah, yeah, and he is hilarious. You know, it's like so. um, So when I saw, I was like, "Hey, that's a guy from A Knight's Tale." But yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, well, through a little bit of chicaneery, uh, they get to throw off the alliance ship and they get away. Right, and again, that thing is
1: like this barrel with something like duct taped onto it, almost and everything. Yeah, else. they like, call it a crybaby. Right. And it, but yeah. see, you know, it's it's all like this. Everything is just kind of like thrown together, right? I mean, they're they're kind of living rough. They're on the the edges of civilization. They're they're not out there in. in this technologically i mean it's a technologically advanced society but they're not that technologically advanced they're barely
0: 21st century right R- right um so uh we cut to the opening credits with the western music theme and you know despite the fact that we're in the future and i'm hearing space it again cruiser, right in my
1: head are, are you
0: uh, you know <laughs> their dress and their speech has a decidedly old west feel to it so sure. you know yeah so that's really but cool. with all the
1: like the asian kind of words and, yeah. and asian culture mixed in which is really cool you know yeah
0: yeah all right so they're back on the ship uh they're you know arranging the cargo and the hold and reynolds opens one crate revealing what look like, at first i thought they were some sort of precious metal money
1: yeah right exactly right
0: but, you know, then later on, I mean, it, it it turns out apparently to be some sort of food. Yeah, right? we
1: don't, but we don't learn that until almost the very end of the episode, you know? So right. it's, it's kind of like a little twist because the whole time we're like thinking, well, it's money, money, money. Because, like, the big deal is it's stamped, right? Right. But they're almost like, well, if it's food, like,
0: who cares if it's stamped? <laughs> You're going to eat it. Right. Are the they stamp's gone. Check your poo for the stamps. Like, really? <laughs> right. Uh so he says to call Badger, tell him the job's done so they can get paid. They're going to go to Persephone where they want to take on passengers because you know like you you've mentioned a couple of times, you know this is a a ship that is operating on a shoestring for sure. And I was wondering and, and again it's not something I noticed the first time, but he doesn't let the rest of the crew know that the bars are stamped. Oh yeah so uh wow does he not yeah he doesn't no one else sees it no Uh -uh. really no all right so you you know you mentioned uh before we watched it again (laughs) yeah now you mentioned before you we went on the air about you know some of the great lines in in this episode my favorite is when we're introduced to the ship's mechanic and jane says captain can you stop her from being cheerful you know sometimes you just want to duct tape her mouth and dump her in the hold for a month and then Kaylee, played by Jewel State, kisses him on the cheek. I love my captain. And, it, and that, that line, those four words, I love my captain, just epitomize Kaylee Fry in yeah, the show.
1: She, she is definitely a favorite. And she was on Supernatural as well, though she got killed off, which was sad. But um, yeah, Kaylee, she's just such an awesome character. I mean, like, awesome, awesome character. <sighs> she's incredible. Yeah.
0: Oh, especially I can't wait to wear you, Kaylee. We, oh, yeah, I'm already married. Forget. It. We learn her uh, backstory, you know, later right. on in, in the series. Uh, and, you know, she also appeared in the uh, the AMC show The Killing. Uh, she played a lawyer girlfriend of the main male lead, whose name escapes me at the moment. And she was, you know, as you might imagine, awesome in that as well. Right.
1: Um, but the, it's just the whole the whole character of Kaylee, someone who can see the bright side of anything like even as she's shot later on she's sitting there telling oh it's not so bad or you know and she tells Malcolm he's a good man and everything that comes out of here is positive she just kind of like lights up a room right. uh whenever she comes in it and uh yeah
0: well, well and that's the contrast because he sees the bad in everyone right and right. you understand why he does that yeah but like you said well, he she's
1: needs a Kaylee right and she needs sure. him kind of they kind of complement each other But he is super, super protective of her. I think he recognizes, A, her kind of, I mean, you know, she has an innocent nature, but she's not innocent, right? Um, But he sees that she has a kind, beautiful soul, and he is, like, overprotective of her. That's when they're at dinner later. He immediately, you know, Jane gets sassy, and he's like, get out of here. Get away from my table right now, you know? So it's clearly
0: who's the favorite child in
1: this family, right?
0: Oh, no question. No question. Um, Well, speaking of families, you know, we we establish at this point that Wash and Zoe are married and that Zoe's worried about Mal while Wash simply wants her to ask him for some time off. And I I guess we would say she is the first officer of the ship, right? Malcolm's the captain, Wash is the pilot, Pilot. but Zoe is the first officer,
1: right? right? And And she
0: would be Spock.
1: You, right it's, it's spock about 10 times more badass but yes, yeah well true um though spock is pretty badass don't get me wrong but right. zoe come on and, and this is always this is a relationship that is of course at first a little befuddling right yeah. because zoe's a soldier she kicks ass she's awesome and as far as we can see wash is a goofball who plays with dinosaur toys exactly and so when we find out they're married we're like It's a little, a bit of a head scratcher, you know? Yeah. So, but uh, that's a Joss Whedon perfect uh, setup there. Like, that's. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, Malcolm interrupts their conversation and asks whether or not the ambassador has checked in and then says, ironically, somebody on this boat has to make an honest living. And we cut to Inara played by marina baccarin who uh if you watched the short-lived series v and i'm talking about the you know the one in i don't know what was it 2013 2012 2013 yeah a couple of, it
1: was where, short i only watched like three episodes is all right. i could take
0: yeah where she plays the alien leader she uh, was good though she was good with the ultra short hair yeah um, i didn't like and, that right and and we cut to her and she's in the middle of a session i'm making finger quotes Uh, He's a young officer who mentions that she trained to be a companion and then denigrates her as he's leaving. And we realize she's a prostitute. Right. Well, that whole suggestion that she's kind of like rigs the clock
1: like she really is just like, hmm, that's not cool. So, yes, she is a prostitute, but she is also a um, very
0: classy woman. Right. And, yeah. you know, Malcolm's comment that somebody has to make an honest living is somewhat prophetic as we learn more and more about the companion's status within their society, which is not the way it is now. Right. right. All but, right, so, but uh, you
1: know, you can, I, you know, I think there were times, like in the old West, where, um, you know, there weren't a lot of women out there. So prostitutes. You know, while again, the you know the general morality maybe looked down on on their job, they had a certain kind of status.
0: Well, true, right, true, and and certainly a financial status as well, right, in, in most right. of these towns. Well, w- we learn that Inara has her own shuttle. Contacts Serenity to find out where they'll be, so she can meet them. And Wash mentions that they've missed her, but you know, she seems a bit depressed, and it has to be more than just you know this one session with this one guy you know putting her down i mean certainly that can't be the first time that's ever happened
1: sure but it's not it's nice you know i mean well no no yeah, makes her feel bad that's not nice
0: yeah so we're on persephone they're going to meet her at the Evesdown docks and you know from the air it's got the appearance of it like a 25th century city with these huge stylized buildings you know something we'd see out of uh You know, uh, you know, like Buck Rogers in the twenty fifth century or something like that. But then on the ground, not so much. Yeah, it's like this street bazaar. You got horse drawn carriages, and then you know, you mentioned uh, you know the Asian you know verbiage that works its way into the the language. There are elements of the Middle East, Asia sprinkled in with twenty first century technology, and you know, amidst all this serenity, lands, and you know, what they're trying to do is pick up some paying passengers, but. It's also evident that the ship's got some mechanical issues that, at this point, they cannot afford to fix.
1: Right? Yeah, we get very much the sense that this is on the frontier, right? This is out on the edges of civilization, it's a very wild west. Anyway, you know, I mean, but it's it's out there on the edges. There, we don't we see the law there. We see the alliance there, um, but there's also a lot of not law <laughs> happening, right? In right. the form of one of the greats in genre. One of the all time great actors, Mark Shepard, as Badger. Yeah, he was in Battlestar
0: Galactica, right?
1: Yep. And yeah. he's in big part in Supernatural right now. See, oh. that's why you don't realize how awesome he is because he's got a huge role in Supernatural. He's been right. on for a long time.
0: Okay. And, and, you know, them going to meet him really seals the deal for us that these are smugglers, thieves, and they just want to get rid of the cargo and get paid but there's a problem well, they're going to see a guy
1: named badger
0: well there you like, go
1: <laughs> not mr badger but badger so
0: that kind of gives you an idea you know? right but he holds up his uh, ipad and says you know if you'd have been here a half hour sooner i wouldn't have known that there's an alert out for you guys because of this uh, illegal salvage but i don't want to do the deal now it's just too hot
1: yeah and there's all kinds of posturing and everything and we see jane who's just you know not the smartest guy on the ship right and he's nope. always like wants to go with guns blazing and it's like well obviously you know there's a lot of badgers guys right here their guns are already out so jane why don't we you know shut your mouth maybe a little bit
0: well yeah and you know what and, and the you know he says at this point and, and again it's it's very pointed he calls malcolm a man of honor in a den of thieves and that's kind of the theme you know whenever i i try to Tell people about Firefly. You know, one of the things I always say is that you know it's this crew of smugglers. They're thieves. They're on the edges of society, and every time they're f- faced with a moral ethical dilemma, they do the right thing, but grudgingly. Right. Exactly.
1: Well, and you see that Badger's big issue is that he feels that Malcolm looks down on him. And yes. Just Malcolm Reynolds has this kind of air of moral authority right and i think part of it comes from his being on you know on this rebellious uh side that that he never really gave in you know he never gave up he never as as far as we can tell really you know right i mean the battle the battle of serenity valley did not end the war for him exactly And while he's not necessarily living the war still every day, though we'll see later on more about that, um, you know, the idea of like of his having that moral fortitude and strength uh, really shines through. And, And a guy like Badger can see that who has no moral fortitude at all. And so it chafes on him and he thinks that that Malcolm is looking down on him, which honestly he probably does a little bit.
0: Right. And, and that's what we see, you know, in, in this two hour episode that these are the kinds of people that he is forced to come into contact and deal with. Uh, I mean, certainly uh, that, that will happen later on in the episode. Now, well, there's just really one thing
1: I need to say is that I, I just noticed it the first time is that Badger has like a little apple peeler. Oh, you see that? <laughs> I did. Like, he like goes and turns it. It's an apple peeler. I've, I've never noticed that before. It's just a little detail that I thought was hilarious.
0: All right. Uh, well, the next person we're introduced to is Book, played by Ron Glass, who some of the older listeners may remember from Barney Miller. Yeah, I remember Barney Miller. I loved yeah. that show when I was a kid. Yeah, a cop show from, uh, I yeah. guess that was the 70s, right? Yeah, from the Late 70s. 70s. Yep. Late <laughs> one, one of the few uh, sitcoms my parents let me watch when I was a kid, so I liked yep. it. Uh, And he plays a shepherd, a religious man from the South Down Abbey. And the first person he comes into contact with is Kaylee, who, uh, you know, while the crew is out, you know, Mal's out trying to do the deal with Badger and and I guess Wash is out trying to get parts for the ship. She's just sitting there in a lounge chair trying to get passengers who can pay to come on board. Now, you
1: say lounge chair. I say... Regular old yard chair that looked like it was made in 1970, not in the distant future, right? It did like it was just a regular fold up yard chair and everything. But also, do you like her how she's dressed? Um, in a
0: like, like Hawaiian shirt or well, something? No, it's, it's
1: like a very Asian stuff. Oh, you got right, pedal you're right on, she's got the uh, she's her hair is done up with the curls on each side. I don't know what it's called. I I'm showing my absolute lack of knowledge about fashion right now, I know. Um, And she has the, uh, the, the, the little umbrella, right? Yeah. So it's just the costuming was awesome. But what I loved is the chair that she's in. And what she's done, she gets up and folds it up. It's just like... Oh, it's just like a regular lawn chair. Like my parents had a whole rack of those. And whenever we had relatives over, we'd sit in the backyard in these things and everything. So,
0: Well, the other cool thing is you know, we learn that she is an observer of people because the first thing she says to him, how come you don't care where you're going? And he's taken aback a, a, a little bit. And he tells her, though, because how you get there is the worthier part. And you know, certainly that's one of the themes that comes out in this show is that it's the journey right? It's not the destination. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, because each episode is
0: self-contained, right? There's there's no really overarching theme of them. And so, you know, it is the journey of each one. Yeah. So, all right. So the big problem at this point is they didn't do the deal with Badger. They've got all this cargo and they got to figure out what to do with it. So they're going to head to Boros, although Malcolm thinks it's too big, probably crawling with Alliance. Zoe in fact thinks, you know what? Maybe we should just dump it, but of course Jane and and there's very few times when I'm going to say this, Jane was right at this point. <laughs> you can't just dump it. Well, and they they literally
1: can't because they don't have money and they don't have enough money to even put fuel into the into Serenity. So yeah, they absolutely have to unload this stuff,
0: right? And again, Jane's classic line. Uh let me see here. Uh <laughs> 10% of nothing is, is uh, nothing, nothing. And I <laughs> <laughs> uh, um,
1: look, he goes, carry the zero and uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really so, surprised Jane even knew that much math to talk about carrying
0: the zero, but I don't think you carry the zero anyway, right? So that's actually pretty bad math. Yeah, true. Um, but at this point, you know, they mentioned thinking about the border planets and Patience's name comes up. Zoe reminds him that, you know, Patience shot you, Malcolm, but, well, you know, well, well, yeah, a bit. Yeah, but he seems to be okay with it. Doesn't hold a grudge. And this is the first time, though, we hear the mention of Reavers. Yeah, who might be the scariest people that we haven't seen yet. Exactly, at this
1: point. and that is right. I mean, we we ultimately do see them. Do we see them in the show or just in the movie? Uh, yeah. Wow. I guess we'll I I guess can, we'll, we'll discover that out. as we go along. But um, but yeah, they are. I mean, how can it's it's so absolutely masterful how they did that of the Reavers. We never see them at all. We just see their ship, but that ship scares the crap out of everybody. And so we see them as like th- this, like this, really, they're very, very, very scary. Right. Well, and we, we just, never see them. We don't see well, any fangs. We don't see any blood, nothing like that. The horror of the Reavers is just done through seeing the characters' reactions to them. And that's it's just awesome
0: well right and then later on i think it's zoe that that says to uh simon you know who, who you know is, is, you know he just thought the reavers were you know myth stories told around a campfire i think he says and she goes through this thing you know well you know they'll kill you then they'll you know well, they'll, your, they'll rape your you flesh to death. right rape you to they'll death skin you, skin
1: you and then uh, use your skin for their clothing and if we're lucky in that order right <laughs> yeah
0: so uh all right well the crew all board Serenity, and it, this is the first time we meet Simon, played by Sean Marr, uh, and he's wearing this suit, dark glasses, and you know it does have that western feel to it. Yeah, but he also looks really suspicious too. He right? does indeed, and it, it, part of it's the glasses. Uh, and he's one of the two passengers, along with Book. Um, you know, so Jane wheels in this large, elaborate cargo crate, which Simon instructs him to be careful moving. And, you know, we now have a boat full of citizens on top of our stolen cargo, Zoe tells Mal. Inara docks, let me guess, we're in a hurry. So this is her not her first time with Serenity. Yeah. Well, I also like how uh, this is, you know, Malcolm can't
1: totally get rid of that eternal optimist we saw in him in Serenity Valley. Because Zoe's like, we can't take on all these passengers. They'll find the cargo. And and Mal's like, well, no, they won't. And so he asks why. He just goes, "Cause, <laughs> right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just like because I really don't want it to happen, so it won't. You know, so that that optimistic young man we saw in Serenity Valley is not completely gone. Yeah,
0: one of the relationships that that I find most fascinating is, is the one between Inara and Shepard Book, and, and she's introduced to him as ambassador, and he thinks. She's a government official and he's ready to, you know, I I guess, offer her whatever, you know, recognition she's going to she deserves. And we hear all these snickers and he asks why they're laughing. And Mal tells him she's a whore. Yeah, which is wow. Yeah. And then Kaylee corrects him companion. And, you know, obviously, we're very uncomfortable at this point. And, 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 you know, books caught off guard Inar is hurt and leaves for her quarters with kaylee by her side so there's obviously that relationship between kaylee who you know again is so cheerful it's almost like we wouldn't expect her to be that close with anara but clearly they are yeah well everyone
1: loves kaylee right i mean it's yeah. just like they if she wants to be around them they they're totally willing to because she's just like I said, she's just this bright, shining light wherever she goes, and she's wonderful to be around. Yeah. Um, but just Mal, Mal's treatment of Inara is absolutely reprehensible, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. It is awful. And, you know, and he's almost like smirking and laughing because A, uh, he's able to make both Inara and Book extremely uncomfortable. Now, we, we see in this episode and, and the, the, sexual tension between mal and anara will be they'll play off of that throughout um you know the whole rest of the series short lived as it is you know we really start to see it now we don't really get it at first because he's just downright rude to her and we're like why is he so rude to her and then we start to see oh well he he digs her but yeah but she's a prostitute and he can't have her so he's probably resentful She's resentful. His, you know, it's just a big mess.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that does come out in a, in a scene that we'll talk about uh, later on in the episode. Um, you know, w- when Kaylee was trying to get Shepard Book to come on board as one of the passengers and she asks him, can he pay? He's, you know, I got a little cash. And uh, he has this box. And so now we, we see this scene with Kaylee.
1: Call it the Pulp Fiction effect, right? They open up the box. You don't know what's in it,
0: but it's obviously something astounding. She opens the box. And we're not sure, you know, what, it's like you see her eyes light up, and then right. it's she pulls out a strawberry. And then when she takes that, I mean, that was a pretty sensuous scene, I must say. Yeah, you think. Yeah. <laughs> a little uh, bit. <laughs>
1: right. So, yeah, so it, if you didn't like Kaylee before, after that scene, you are going to line up to marry her, right?
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And then we find out, in, you know, in the very next scene, when we're in the dining hall and everybody's together for the first meal, that book has apparently brought fresh vegetables and, and and I guess for some fresh fruit. And clearly these people have been living off of protein bars or whatever it is they eat, but certainly not fresh meals. And you see the plate of str- uh, sliced tomatoes going around. And then there's that scene, Captain, do you mind if I say grace, book asks? Oh, you say that out loud, right? And so here's the guy who just a couple minutes
1: ago was kissing the cross around his neck now refuses to let even anyone say prayers before dinner so
0: well right but did you also notice what you know uh book he says it silently and you look around the table and even jane is praying silently well what are you gonna do right well i understand that but that's the power of the cloth right well okay but i guess i i was a little surprised at that um now we find out you know mal has lied to the crew that the alliance ordered the ship to go to boros to drop off medical supplies and, you know, here's where Simon, you, you know, you mentioned he seemed a little shifty, you know, questioning him about, you know, whether or not this happens very often, what kind of medical supplies. And then uh, we learned that the government has been terraforming these outer planets and then just dumping settlers to be on their own. And, okay,
1: here's where I come in. Yeah. I'm going to do a quick Project X interruption here for terraforming because actually I'm going to do a little shout out to uh, Josh and Chuck of the Stuff You Should Know podcast. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to them talking about terraforming. I think it was, no, I can't remember. I just, I have loads of them on my iPod. So, you know, Terraforming is actually something that like NASA is talking about like right now, which is crazy, right? And actually my, my brother-in-law works for NASA. So I know that they are working on colonizing the moon, right? That was like George Bush's big, project that he started like work out a way for us to colonize the moon um so basically you know what we've seen like on doctor who and everything you know like and in uh, superman uh the man of steel like terraforming is always like this quick process right just like the, we some machine strikes into the earth and the whole thing changes it's terraformed right even on um defiance defiance right but as terraforming is now, um, the idea is what we could do is it's really kind of fascinating. There's a couple of different ways people say we could terraform. Basically, the, the, the most likely uh, planet that we could terraform is actually Mars. Um, and they would have to heat it up somehow. And they would also have to create, get basically try to recreate the, the jumpstart of life that happened on Earth. So by introducing um, like microbial life there and then plant life, and then uh, have it develop an atmosphere. Uh, and But this could take hundreds, it could take centuries to do. So it's not like we could do it now and like, okay, oh, all right, let's start it now and you know, maybe in 15 years from now I'll get a house on Mars or something like that. Um, and another idea about terraforming is to actually build a, a dome, like a plastic dome around the entire planet that would enclose an atmosphere under it, which would be more immediate, but you know, obviously crazy expensive. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this idea of terraforming, yeah, it's right now in the realm of science fiction, but this is something that scientists today are actually talking about, so it's kind of crazy. So I just thought I'd put that in
0: there. Yeah, that's very cool. I mean, you know, it's it's been very cool as a plot point in Defiance, you know, as we see, you know, there, it, it, you know, the, the because of the ships crashing, the terraforming happened in an unplanned manner, so... Uh, But, you know, to me, the important thing that comes out of this dinner uh, is about Mal. And I mean, we know he's the captain. We know he's in charge, but he really establishes himself. You know, Kaylee's kind of fawning over Simon after she finds out that he's a doctor. You know, he's a trauma surgeon. And then Jane responds with some crude language, which Mal won't tolerate and tells him to walk away from this table. And, And of course, this is on the heels of him calling Inara a whore. Exactly right, but he didn't do it at the dinner table, though. Well, that's true. But yeah, Uh, so
1: he is a bit of a hypocrite. But the thing is, I think that Jane does it. He leaves. Like Jane's a big guy, right? Like if he threw down with Malcolm, we probably would figure he would probably could could you know win a fist fight with Malcolm. So if he wanted to throw down right there, it probably worked. But there is, like we said, that inner moral authority that Malcolm carries with him that when he gives an order people obey him
0: yeah following up their first meeting uh in our inner quarters giving herself a sponge bath when book knocks on the door (sighs) and and she tells him that she kind of expected him uh asks him if he came to lecture her "Uh, well i do have some good fire and brimstone but no i actually brought you dinner (laughs) and then she smiles he tells her that mal was wrong and but
1: but malcolm is the one who told him to take the dinner to her did you catch well, that yeah i did
0: okay and he does he he tells her he notices that mal doesn't seem to care if anybody likes him but he's very protective of his crew and you know you almost wonder is it purposeful that he has built this you know rough exterior because that's his job is to take care of my crew
1: oh, you know and yeah, nothing can yeah. get in the way Sure. No, no question about that. Um, but also he protects himself. I mean, it's, I'm not comparing like losing a war to being dumped in a relationship, but it's almost like after that, when you are much more guarded. And, and again, we know he's someone, well, we, we learn later, but we assume right now that he is someone who never really gave up the fight. And so he's probably had to keep you know, his feelings and emotions close to his chest. You can't go around saying, hey, I'm still with the Rebels and F the Alliance, right? Because, yeah. you know, as we see, the Alliance is kind of everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of the Alliance everywhere, suddenly Wash calls for Mao. They've got a mole on board. Somebody apparently sent a signal from the ship to the Cortex, which I guess is supposed to be like the Internet of the future. And Malcolm thinks immediately it's Simon. He finds him in the cargo bay near that crate, slugs him, pulls a gun on him. Book comes in, tells him, you got the wrong man. And then we see this other guy that we didn't really even pay attention to. I mean, we saw him walk on board at the beginning. Right. Now he's holding a gun on Malcolm. Yep. And Malcolm, as long as well as us, thinks, uh, oh, they're done. Yeah. But no, Simon Tam. You are bound by law to stand down so that he's there for Simon, not yeah, for Mal and, and, and the crew. And, and Mal's like, hey, what? The doctor? Hey, hey, is there a reward? You know, like <laughs> yeah. You know, he just
1: assumes that the, the Fed is there for him. And when he realizes he's there for, for Simon, he's just like,
0: oh, okay. Oh, all right. That's that's fine. Yeah. You are carrying a fugitive. I think I believe your story about carrying medical supplies and you know book tries to defuse the situation but you know as more people enter the hole the the, the more confusing the whole situation becomes and then suddenly the next thing you know kaylee gets shot in the stomach
1: yeah well dobson is such an a-hole man like just overall he's just a, a real real jerk yeah and uh I, I mean you see he's probably like really kind of a bad agent because he gets flustered easily he should be controlling this situation and he has no control over the situation at all. Right, right. You know. And he uh, ends up shooting someone. The most innocent person in the freaking room is the one who gets shot.
0: Yep. Uh and then interestingly, Book is the one that subdues him. We see Kaylee's in bad shape. I mean she's got a she's got a gut shot. And Jane of course wants to kill the guy, but Book won't let him, you know, kind of establishing himself as more than just simply a man of principle. He also can handle himself a little bit physically. So um you know
1: still gets his ass beat pretty bad later though
0: right now they're trying to move kaylee and wash tells them they're being hailed by an alliance cruiser and to prepare for prisoner transfer which we assume means simon simon tells mal to change course with which then precipitates a flurry of orders mal wants him to help her but tells him you know he's going to turn him over to the feds inara tells mal to change course and then he barks at her don't you ever tell me what to do yeah. And, okay, so I kind of get the idea that there's a little history between these two. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And then Kaylee cries out, everybody's so angry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why is everyone so mad? Yeah. Right. and That's, you know, so,
1: that's so Kaylee. I love her.
0: Well, yeah, and, and <laughs> you know, Mal makes the decision to run, which seems to be a good one. Fortunately, Simon is a trauma surgeon. Surgery's over, and... Inara and Mal want to know what's going on. Uh, Goes in to look in Simon's crate, and Jane tries to restrain Simon, who wants to stop Mal. Kicks open the crate, revealing this glass chamber with a naked girl curled up in some sort of stasis state. (laughs) And I love Malcolm's response. Huh? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I
1: still remember the first time I saw that, and I just remember thinking, what yeah that was i think the last thing that i thought was going to be inside there would would be another person that just blew my mind yep
0: and and that's how part one ends right bam part one done see you next week all right so suddenly river the girl in the crate played by summer glow summer glow who we've mentioned once or twice on this podcast over the last three years she wakes up climbs out of the chamber naked and freaks out Uh, Simon tries to comfort her she does recognize him and then the scene alternates back and forth between Simon tending to her in the medical room and him explaining to the crew the background of his and her tale which I thought was really masterfully done it it, it was
1: awesome well you know Joss Whedon is a master it really just makes your heart bleed when you start the more you learn about the relationship between Simon and River the more your heart just aches for both of these characters. And we start to see that here because everyone just assumes it's something salacious, right? Oh, you got a girl, a naked girl in a box. Well, what's the deal with that dude? Were you some kind of pervert? And then we learn it's his sister and the way he goes up to her and he, holds her and cradles her and how protective he is of her it really is just you know it's it's uh very very emotional how how that happens
0: right and you know as we learn her story that at 14 she voluntarily went to this special government school but after a time through coded messages she begs him to get her out and and he says it took two years but here they are and he doesn't know if she's going to be okay because he doesn't know what they did to her. And, you know, you, you can't help but make the comparison between what happened to Max and the other Manticore kids. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. They might have
1: ripped off Dark Angel blatantly, right? Yeah, well,
0: I'm not saying that, but no. I'm just saying, yeah. You
1: know, <laughs> um, all right, so now what? But, but, uh, the, but the, 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 That being said, we could say that Joss Whedon, quote, unquote, rips off a lot of different genre types and show types and movie uh cliches not cliches but i don't even want to say tropes but he borrows from a load of genres to make firefly and that's part of like why it's so great uh the the part of the show um the one thing about the the story uh of of river's backstory is how she was this really advanced kid as uh simon says um you know i'm gifted I graduated from med school by the time I was like eighteen or whatever, so I can't remember what you said. But you know, my sister makes me look like a blithering idiot. And and they wanted the most challenging, you know, we looked at a lot of schools and we wanted the one that was most challenging for her. And you just kinda of think about how like like parents today, you know, always kinda of like pushing their kids, or parents always, I guess, not just today, but you know, like pushing your kids and wanting them to be the best and and, you know, and so doing these and, and that's ironically that is what that's that's Rivers' downfall, right? Is sure. That, that desire to be challenged to to be better, to be you know everything she can be.
0: Right. When it was really just a ploy on the part of the government to get these gifted children to somehow use them in some way. At this point, we, we don't we know don't how. know yet, right? Yeah. Right. uh But uh, you know, as far as Malcolm Reynolds is concerned, okay, we have got you know now what? Well, we got to get rid of this cargo. We're going to go to Whitefall. They're going to meet patients. And then just get out of town, and it, it, it's not really clear whether or not anybody believes Simon's story. I mean, certainly you know, Jane seems somewhat dubious about it. You know, you mentioned the the salaciousness of the you know uh, of it, and that's not it at all. Obviously, they're brother and sister, and then Simon asks Malcolm, you know, well, what's going to happen to me and River? Well, if Kaylee pulls through, you get off at Whitefall. If not, you get off a little earlier. A little earlier, right? Yeah, and the
1: the crew. It's funny how the crew argues over this, and once again, Malcolm has to assert his authority. Right? I'm the yeah. captain. There's there's no. This isn't a, a democracy.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wash asks, "Can we maybe vote on this whole murdering issue?" Right.
1: You know, yeah.
0: and like, uh, no, there is. There's no vote. This right. is a ship. I'm the captain. What I say goes. Bam, right there. Right, and then Inara, you know, mentions that they wouldn't last a day in Whitehall. And that if they get off, she's leaving. And then Malcolm says, well, you know what? That might be the best for you, you know, best anyway. You're not part of this business. And, you know, does he mean something beyond what we've seen? I mean, or, you know, I mean, she's obviously part of, I don't want to say part of the crew, but she's part of the family. Well, that's like her her
1: physical setup on the ship is, is metaphorical as well, right? Right. Like she's got a ship that's attached to the ship. So she's not really part of the ship itself. Her life is, you know, it's only tangentially uh, involved or or attached. And, and that's, that's exactly what she is. Like she is part of this, the life of these people, but she's not on the other hand, she's kind of in with them, but she's also an outsider. So it's really kind of this, uh, you know, paradoxical relationship there.
0: Well, they've got to find out how much the Alliance mole was able to relay before Wash scrambled the signal, and Mal leaves Jane to interrogate him, and he pulls out this huge knife, and Mal tells him, you know, just scare him. Well, pain is scary. <laughs> That's um, true. Right. Right. And then, you know, this this guy, what was his name? You mentioned it. Uh, Dobson. Now. Dobson tells Jane that this girl is a precious commodity and they're going to come after her long after I die. So why don't we make a deal? Okay. You turn over River to the Alliance and, you know, you'll have enough to buy your own ship. But the, but the catch is he's going to have to sell out Mal. And he's clearly thinking about it. Yeah, He's definitely thinking about it. Yep. uh shades
1: of what will to come with with our boy jane here yep. um but also we see what how utterly a, a weasel dobson is you know oh yeah
0: oh yeah um well it was also funny when you know he starts interrogating me he says they know everything they know the and then jane is just so disappointed it's like you don't know nothing they don't know. Yeah. You're right. I mean, didn't they teach you how to be interrogated and all this?
1: He's yeah. um, a bad. Like I said, he's he's bad at what he does, you know,
0: like, but Jay is so disappointed. Exactly.
1: He's like, ah, so looking forward to cutting you up. And, ah, uh, man.
0: All right. Well, the next thing that happens, I mean, it, it causes the crew to freak out. And we mentioned the Reavers before. Wash detects a small non-alliance ship that's approaching. But what gets his attention is that the radiation readings indicate that they're not using core containment, which leads Malcolm to believe that they're Reavers. And as he makes that announcement to the crew, it's obvious that they're all terrified. And and like you mentioned before, it's just a mere mention and we haven't even seen them yet.
1: Those are some scary dudes right there that just the the mention of their name, um, you know, like Kaiser Soze. Voldemort like there's only a couple characters in all of the lexicon who just the mere mention of their name causes instant fright yeah yeah
0: yeah all right well Mal goes down to medical Kaylee wakes up and the conversation you know because she knows Malcolm and and tells him it was nobody's fault you just have to have faith in people and and you know like you uh, mentioned you know earlier that's her you know having faith in people and that's part of his you know part of his character flaw i guess is that he doesn't but you know he doesn't but he does you know well true like he
1: he has a very gruff exterior and he definitely is a cynic to the core but there is something about him that still has some compassion and humanity he hasn't lost his humanity you know that's still fully there but um
0: yeah, you know, right. but, but he is the, a, a very hardcore cynic. Yep. All right. Now, the next scene. I, I went in watching this. I didn't know anything. I mean, I'd heard about Firefly, and I'm not even sure what it was that prompted me to watch it when I when I did watch it finally. But you know, I mean, I don't really know any of these actors. So we cut to a Nara shuttle. And she's given Simon some companion immunization packs, which, you know, she says, you know, hopefully they'll help. Because while Malcolm tells Simon that, you know, our our, our medical bay is, is pretty well stocked, I mean, you never know exactly what that means. Malcolm comes in, the tension between the two is palpable. Tell Simon Kaylee's dead.
1: <laughs> Simon I, I, run- I shouldn't be laughing at that, but just because <laughs> I
0: know. Well, Simon runs down to the medical with the packs. And we we find Kaylee sitting up, laughing and talking to Book. (laughs) That that man's psychotic. And then we cut to the crew laughing at the joke, mal played on Simon,
1: laughing riotously. Yes, like that is that is one of the funniest scenes I think I've ever seen on TV. That is hilarious. It's just like I was every like even like again. It's like the fourth time I've seen this show, and I was still like tears were coming out. I was laughing when they. They cut that scene. Because just but, that quick cut, you know, it's just... Uh,
0: oh. Right, and I mean, but as a first-time viewer where, you know, you're really starting to care about Kaylee and, and, and look, we, you know, she's out in space on a ship and she's got a stomach wound. I mean, I, I thought she was dead, as I think most people that saw for the first sure. time did. And then, uh, just awesome. All right, well, they're, they're close enough to Whitehall now that, that patients can hail them. And she's surprised as well that Mal contacted her. And he's up front that, you know, these are alliance goods, uh, but, uh, you know, she's willing to make a deal, but they're under no illusions. They suspect that she's going to ambush them once they land. Yeah. As soon as they hang up, he's like, um,
1: I believe that woman's planning to shoot me again.
0: Yeah. Jane suggests, well, why don't we shoot her first? And then I think it's wash. It says, well, it is her turn. It is her turn.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Zoe. And she's always the one that seems to be thinking outside the box. You know, we could try our luck. At the unexplored moons, but Mal's adamant that they have to do this you notice anything about our luck these past few days and and it's like he feels I think that they're backed into a corner he, he doesn't feel good about their luck but again it's one of those situations he's got a lot of choices all of them are bad yeah and and that w- we start to see
1: in this episode that that's kind of like their life right I mean that's there's not a lot of good choices like so they're living rough they're they're from day to day job to job um you know hoping to have enough fuel that they can get from one place to another so everything is yeah they're they're having to make do as they can
0: yep and and, i mean serenity lands jane's buried the cargo Mouse got a sample to show patience uh, he and Zoe scope out the terrain, realize that they're probably going to get ambushed. I don't like it, sir. She has the advantage over us. Everyone always does. That's what makes us special. Right. God, I mean, I love that line.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great line. And, but and and also mean, you see like his military tactical mind at work here right. because he's looking at the valley and he's like, okay, well, that's where they're going to put the sniper, right, and everything. And he he's able to scout out the situation from a military standpoint. Right.
0: But but I mean, it just kind of plays on what you were just saying a second ago that, you know, that's what's so special about this crew is that they're always the underdog. And it goes back to the opening scene at the Battle of Serenity Valley. And, and you just I, I just love that. I mean, who doesn't want to root for the underdog? Sure. You know? yeah, you're not going
1: to root for the poxy alliance, man. Right. Boring and mean. stupid and mean new
0: england patriots <laughs> right um, exactly exactly <laughs> had to get that in there all right so uh all right shepherd book i mean he's he's done a, a fine job so far but he but he certainly makes a huge mistake when he tries to warn the marshal who's clearly already freed himself knocks out shepherd book and then we've got two ambush scenes well, going not on just
1: knocks him out do you see he like actually goes oh, back like and a couple times beats him yeah, yeah. that was um, brutal yeah, so but, it makes you hate Dobson even more, right?
0: Oh, yeah, um, you know. But again, in, in a in a piece of brilliant, I was going to say movie making, but but television making, we've got these two ambush scenes going on simultaneously, right? right. River, River wakes up startled, and the marshal, who's now got two handguns, takes her at gunpoint. Meanwhile, patience uh, and Mal have apparently made the deal, but you know we didn't trust her for a second. She wants the money back. Shootout starts. Uh,
1: not Zo- before the classic western standoff. And so it's like, wow, yeah. wow, 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 yeah. Right. Like they're like standing there, like like you every you know everyone's armed, everyone's got guns, and it's just it's like you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, man. Yep.
0: But Jane has the sniper's rifle and starts picking them off from afar. Zoe does get shot in the chest, although uh, I think at that point, I think after Kaylee survived, we figure all right, she's hopefully got a vest on, which of course she does you know but Kaylee or maybe she just got shot a bit like uh, Malcolm did yeah right um but then back on Serenity Kaylee gets word to Simon that he has her and of course that that means Dobson has uh, River all right so you know Malcolm and the crew win and he's got the opportunity to kill Patience but again he's a man of honor all he wants to do is take what's due him and go on his way and they're getting ready to leave jane informs him that wash called that the reavers followed them and are approaching and, and of course and again it's one of those situations and i get it it's i think they did a a really tremendous job with the pilot introducing nine characters you know right. this overarching scene with the alliance uh colonizing the these places through terraform all you know all of this as well as throwing in the reavers so it's as if they're going from one catastrophe to another and fox showed the train job first i know and uh all the while simon's trying to fight off the marshal to save river um so you know while they're fighting you see, you see river cowering in fear behind some crates Simon gets the gun, holds it on him as the marshal tries to reason with him, Well, right, you see, it's just like a bu- it's he's just full of crap,
1: you know, just like, yeah, yeah. oh i I get it, oh no, they're not going to hurt river, you know he's just like he's so full of it, and uh, but uh, you know, I don't think Simon goes for it, but what he is accurate is when he says, "You're not a killer, and clearly Simon doesn't have what it takes
0: to pull the trigger here, right, right, however. When the crew returns from the deal with patients, they get on the ship. Mal immediately sees what's going on. He just pulls the gun out of his holster and shoots Dobson yes. in the head. Just
1: drops him, like, just, even in stride, he's just walking and just kind of pulls up his gun and shoots him. Yep. And, you know, we know that from just before, because Malcolm was like, listen, no one has to die here, right? Like, we can work this out without there being any kind of bloodshed. Um, but, the reavers are coming. He's got to deal with the situation now. They had to freaking ride to the ship on horseback. Yeah, right. Like yeah. we're freaking out because the reavers are coming, and they have
0: to ride on horses to get there. I mean, that's crazy. It's the future. Don't they have land speeders or something? Right. Well, but I, I, and and that's the beauty of it. It's and you know what? Not to get away too much but it's one of the things i've read about joss whedon who apparently is going to be leaving the marvel franchise uh i don't think he's going to do the next uh, avengers no, movie no he's not and, and that i've read that he said he would like to get back to a situation where he's creating a world that that you know like he created the world of dollhouse the world of buffy the world you know uh, uh certainly of firefly so boy that that would be very cool but you know, in, in the last couple minutes here, you know, they're preparing for evasive action. Mal comes in upon Inara, tells her to ready her shuttle, take the civilians. And she tells, you know, now we've suddenly got this this really, maybe tender is overstating it. No, no. I think okay. I, 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 the word I put in my notes was touching. Okay. That she says, but they'll kill you. He puts his hand on her shoulder. And, you know, we see what the real source of their hostility is that he likes her. Right. Right.
1: You yeah. Know? Exactly. And we we probably I can't remember at first, but I probably suspected it as I watched it. But now we totally see it that he really does like her, maybe even loves her, wants her to get to safety, and they have that moment where it's been just hostility between them the whole episode, but now then there's this as you said, tender I think was a very apt word yeah. to
0: and, describe and, it. And that's what just blows me away. Yeah. Because Anybody that's a Nathan Fillion fan is, I'm sure, a Castle fan, and we have the exact damn thing in Castle. I mean, finally, they wrapped it up by about season six or so, but, uh, you know, that same kind of, you know, just just tell her. had,
1: Had Firefly gotten six seasons, maybe it would have happened there, you know. Right. But it doesn't even happen in the movie though, which is I'm sorry, spoiler there, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, to escape the Reavers, they pull a Crazy Ivan, which is just I guess basically slamming on the brakes and going the other way. Yeah, it's right
1: <laughs> out of the Hunt for Red October, right? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Which actually, it's like the second uh, submarine movie um, reference here because when they're waiting for the Reavers to pass by them, they just they shut everything down and they just sit there as they oh. watch it go by and like every submarine movie ever has a scene where like the guys in the submarine have to shut everything down and just be super quiet as the enemy battleship goes overhead. Because if the enemy, enemy battleship pings and hears them, then they're screwed because they're going to drop depth charges on them and everything. So it's like the exact same intensity as the Reavers went by. And now we see a crazy Ivan's so of hunt for Red October. Which had a Baldwin in it,
0: yeah. Oh, good call. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Inara's tending the book's head wound, and you know, to use your word, touching. He asks her, "Is this what life's like out here?" And he's clearly not prepared for the brutality and the inhuman behavior that that they're forced to, uh, you know, somehow or sometimes, you know, employ. And fighting back tears, he tells her, "I think I'm on the wrong ship." You know, and, and then Nara says, you might actually be on exactly the right ship. Right. And I think we yeah. all know that because he's going to be the one that's going to provide that balance. Um, yeah. uh, now, River tells Simon that she never thought he'd come for her. Then we cut to Jane telling Mal that they need to dump River and Simon because the Alliance will never stop pursuing them. Uh, the second statement that came out of Jane's mouth that I agree with, which certainly is true. Um, And then in a a twist, Malcolm asks Jane, well, why didn't you sell me out to the lawman? Money wasn't good enough, which I guess is kind of a setup that the trust between these two is tenuous at best.
1: Yeah. And it has been the whole time because we know Jane is sketchy. He's a a complex. He's simple, but he's complex. I mean, we see that Jane is crude, um, almost entirely unlikable as as a person not very smart definitely has no sensitivity in him at all but yet when push comes to shove who do they have up on that mountain right who is the guy who goes up to to be the sniper who does malcolm put his life in the hands of yeah right he puts himself in jane's hands so there's there's a very complex relationship between these two yeah. And all these characters are super complex. I mean, again, that's what that's what makes the show so great, which makes Fox's decision not to air this as the first episode even more mind-boggling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no question. Um well, you know, in the final scene Malcolm offers to let Simon and River stay and you know, he says, "Yeah, you may have noticed that the ship could use a medic and you wonder if it's more than that." I mean, uh certainly it enables them to, you know, continue their fight against the alliance, or at least staying one step ahead of the alliance. But you know, is this just Malcolm? You know, it's funny. You've got Shepherd Book, but it's almost as if like Malcolm's the shepherd, and, and it's just like you know, two more sheep joining his flock.
1: Right. Well, I think what Anara said when she told him, "If you leave them at Whitehall, they're they're going to die." Right. Yeah. Is it, was it Whitehall? Yeah. Exactly. Whitehall. He realizes that if he abandons them, that he's basically
0: killing them, right and, and he, he won't do it. yeah. Um, so where are we headed after this episode? You know obviously, it, it appears that Serenity is just going to be trying to stay one step ahead of the alliance in their pursuit of River and Simon, but we don't know why the alliance wants River so badly. All right. I mean, his little story about how she's gifted. Okay, that's all well and good. We believe him, but what is it? How much? How much of a loose cannon is Jane? And you know, we were just talking about the relationship he has with with Malcolm, which is, com- like you said, complex at best. How's Shepherd Book going to cope with this new life? Um, you know, I mean, those are just some of the st- possible storylines. You know, it's it's hard to talk about possible storylines without thinking about the ones that
1: that weren't or what could have been. But, um, you know, that's, what they have set up here is just—they they set up a completely different world, uh, a group of very complex and fascinating characters, you know, in a situation where they can go anywhere, you know,
0: everywhere and anywhere that they want to. Yeah. As long as they can put gas in the tank. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Which— doesn't always happen right does not always happen so uh, uh well anything else you want to say about this one no i think we've said plenty all right almost an hour and a half worth of stuff yeah so. well you know two hour episodes will do that so uh well listen we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight we'd love to hear from you about firefly or anything else you think we should be watching and uh, we, we got the hint uh, we'd like yeah, to encourage our plate you. Our is
1: pretty full right now, so any other shows you might have suggestions for will be on a future basis.
0: Yes, but uh, we'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group, and if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to SciFiTVRewatch at com or voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. We'll be back next week. Season 2, Episode 1, Dark Angel. But until then... So Dave, I just wanted to tell you,
1: If I ever kill you, you'll be awake, staying in front of me, and you'll be on.